0: from the city of brotherly love this is dadline i'm michael spurger and i'm jc wilson Uh, jc what are we
1: listening to right now uh this is a gentleman trying to speak to someone on the international space station via ham radio ham radio you say
0: yeah ham radio that's a thing oh it is very much a thing my friend I mean, I saw Contact, Jodie Foster, Pensacola. Sure. Sure. Yeah. But in 2020, ham radio is a thing.
1: Oh, my friend, ham radio is a thing that, that I spend a lot of money on. Yes, it is still very much a thing.
0: Okay, so tell me about that. Like, what are you doing in ham radio world?
1: Interestingly enough, or not... Um, I'm doing a lot of things. So I have a little radio in my office and it allows me to do digital modes so that I can have my computer talk to another computer. Uh, some of them almost all the way across the world. Um, I've spoken or sort of spoken, uh, contacted people in New Zealand and Australia, um, all the way across the United States, except for Hawaii, which eludes me, Mm. um, and I can also do voice contacts. So I've talked to people all over the country and, and all over Europe. Um, I haven't quite made it, uh, via voice to Asia yet, but I'm getting there. I'm working on it.
0: Okay. That, that'll be uh, that'll be next summer's tour. Uh, hopefully. Yes. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> uh, I think you are far enough into this world that you have the amateur radio license plate from Pennsylvania. Do you not? I, I do.
1: And that is kind of a, a long way around troll for my wife, but yes, I, I do have my call sign on my license plate. Um, it doesn't come with any special privileges. It just means that I actually remember
0: what my license plate is. (laughs) And we are big fans of the long troll here. Absolutely. So, uh, so it, it's sounding like you have a hobby. I, I do. I think I would actually, I would call it a hobby. Yes. Okay. And has this been in your life all the way through or how'd, how'd you get there? Well, that's interesting. A few years
1: back, I was experiencing an awful lot of stress. um, My kids were of an age where they were involved or still are involved in every activity known to man. Uh, We were running around in circles. Work was a little bit more than I was uh, having fun with. And I just needed something that would allow me to stop, uh, spend some time doing something that was purely – recreational for me. So something that didn't involve dragging my kids to a field or um, being a coach or, or being a scout person, just something that I could do for fun. And by fun, I do mean something that I can pick up and put down when it amused me. Um, and that was where I sort of landed with, you
0: know, ham radio of all things. Okay. And are you selling ham radios on Etsy? Oh, absolutely not. No. No, I don't know. I'm, no, I'm confused. How? What? Where's the money? Yeah. So right. This is this is what's called a hobby. Michael, have have you heard of hobbies? They a used long, to be really a big a long time ago. Yes, they've they've been in the discourse lately, and we'll come around to that I think in a few minutes. But I'm fascinated with the concept. Like, what what's the point? So that that is actually the point is
1: to not have a point. One of the things that I think is has been missing, at least certainly in my life until very recently was having an activity that I really enjoyed doing that I could pick up and put down when it was appropriate for me. So I could spend as much time or as little time as I wanted with it. And honestly, it needed to be something that was sticky enough to provide some problems for me to solve or some things for me to do. But the minute I got frustrated enough that it raised my blood pressure, I could just walk away and like, go get a sandwich
0: or do something else. And what led you into ham radio as opposed to say, woodworking or collecting spoons
1: well that 's also a really great question. Uh, my dad is someone who was very much into ham radio uh, He started I think when he was thirteen and had a license up until the time uh well. I think it coincides with my birth that he stopped being <laughs> involved in ham radio. But since he's retired, he has returned to the hobby and really talks about it a lot. So at the time I was having all of this stress and, and looking for some way to sort of exercise some demons, we were having all these conversations about random radio stuff, about bouncing radio waves off the moon so you can talk to somebody halfway
0: across the earth. Wait, wait, whoa, whoa. whoa time out. Say that again
1: bouncing radio waves off of the moon
0: so you can talk to somebody else on the earth sure absolutely why not i understand all those words and i've never thought of such a thing
1: then i won't even talk to you about meteor scatter or bouncing uh, radio waves off of aircraft like commercial aircraft oh wow yeah it goes deep it goes really deep <laughs> And you start to talk about these things with someone who's very passionate about them. And you, you begin to wonder, I, I wonder if I could spend a little time with that. I wonder if I've got any aptitude. And unfortunately, in our family, uh, I, I do have that aptitude. I, I do have the engineer mindset, no trains. Um, but again, it, it, it comes down to this was something that was very sticky for me. It was something very easy for me to get into that exercised my brain in a really weird way that I don't get from anything else. And again, I don't have to do it. <laughs> Mm. can't stress that part enough.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Is there, is there something like that? That's an analog for you? I've been noticing that absence in my life too. Um, my kids are older now, um, activities on the weekends and stuff are not the demand that they used to be. And I had been thinking that I needed to pick up some kind of hobby. My youngest is going to leave for college in a year and a half. That's probably going to be a different phase of our lives. And, Um, You know, it's not that I have trouble filling the time, but... Like you were saying, a lot of what I'm doing is a requirement of one form or another. So I'm working for money or, you know, I'm taking care of the house. And sometimes working on the house is satisfying, but it's a requirement at the end of the day. I walk into Wawa and there's a flyer on the community bulletin board that says there's going to be a model railroad show, an open house at a model railroad club down the street from us. When I was a kid, uh, my dad built... Um, an eight foot by eight foot HO scale model railroad layout for me in the basement, just like two sheets of plywood. I had some basic train sets and I could get in there and, 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 you know, make something happen. And I spent many, many happy hours uh, uh, using mom's old coffee grounds as ballast for the tracks and all that stuff. Uh, and then of course, when I left for college, I left behind the the layout in the basement and there just hasn't been time or space in my life up till this point. So there's this flyer for the open house and it says, are you thinking about picking up a hobby? Do you not have enough space in your house for a model railroad layout? Would you like to learn how computerized model trains work? And I was like, yes, yes. And yes, <laughs> is your name, Michael Sperger, is your name,
1: Michael Sperger. Yeah, it
0: was getting <laughs> creepy. I was, I was looking over my shoulders. So I went to the open house. I met those guys and then, and I'm kind of easing my way into that. So in the last couple of weeks I've been on eBay Uh, searching around for rolling stock that I can get at a decent price and I need to go out and get myself an engine. So that I can start learning computerized control. But yeah, this is a this is a thing that's starting to come on for me and it's new. So have you gotten to the point yet where you have subscribed to a magazine specific to your hobby? I have not yet subscribed to a magazine, but they had bins of old ones outside the open house, and I scooped up an armload of them. I, I can't remember if we've talked about this before, but my son Nick actually came up with this idea when he read uh Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell, the Ten Thousand Hours book. Right. He said you know, that's 10 to the fourth power. And you could probably identify thresholds at each of the other powers of 10 that are meaningful. And I suspect when it comes to hobbies, a lot of people, you know, dabble in their first 10 hours, and there's probably kind of a go no go, that often ends up being a no go, because you sort of get swept up in the requirements of your day to day life. Um, you know, but, but my sense is that you were well past your 10 hours with the ham radio. <laughs> yes. Uh, something I'll throw out
1: there that seems a little interesting here. Um, ham radio and model railroads.
0: Yes. <sighs> They're really cool. Aren't
1: they? Super duper cool. Michael, uh, I, I, w- maybe there's something to that too, right? Like m- maybe it's that. Nobody does dig it except us. <laughs> we have these little communities, but but again, it, it doesn't seem to matter all that much. But one thing I would like to ask is: these are these are geezer hobbies. Like these feel like these yeah. are the domain of of the tried and true,
0: if you will, in terms of of hobbies. Does that strike you? These are fairly timeless activities. They were possible with older tech. The arrival of newer tech doesn't actually obsolete them. Uh, uh, so they're, they're still there and available to us. On the other hand, yeah, there's probably, I mean, in both of our cases, these are things that our dads were either involved in or, or helped us get into. And, you know, there's a real throwback vibe to it. Um, so are we keying into some nostalgia from our own lives or from, you know, some past where, it wasn't, you know, performative murder for hire in every domain of our lives. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. I'll own that. Well, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because I did
1: actually take a minute to sit down with my dad, who is the sort of the, the ham that led me into this this mess, um, and uh, talk to him, in fact, over a ham radio setup. And uh, I talked to him a little bit about hobbies in his life and what brought him to ham radio, why he picked it back up when he finally got to the point where he retired and had uh, had a little more time. So,
0: Behold, our first ever interview over ham radio. AC8NT, this is
1: KC3JXQ. Do you copy?
2: Copy fine, KC3JXQ. Over.
1: You spent a lot of time when you were much younger kind of getting into to ham radio. How did that start?
2: I had a friend in high school that decided that we would make radios, so we started making a little receiver, which we did. And then we moved on to using what was called at the time the ARC-5 radio, which was an army surplus deal. That's how I started in ham radio, and that was a very, very, very long time ago. Over.
1: And you started when you were, what, 14, I think?
2: Actually, I got my novice license when I was 13, just turned 13, and I kept that up until I left high school. And then I had to stop doing it because I went to college and there was no place to put up an antenna. Over.
1: Uh, AC8NT, this is KC3JXQ. Did you keep your license up, or did you let that drift a little bit? Over.
2: I kept my license until 1970. Then I let it lapse. I was busy working, and I just got married, and basically other things came up, so I let it drift away. Over. Well,
1: as that uh, that other thing that kind of showed up shortly thereafter, I I, I do appreciate that. But you did kind of keep keep up with it.
2: I kept up with the hobby, certainly. I mean I kept building electronic stuff, if that's what you mean. So it's not like they stopped working with RF. I just basically dropped out of the ham radio community, not the actual hobby itself. Over?
1: So when you got back into the hobby, it was after you'd retired, is that something that you find that is you know good for you mentally, let's say? Over?
2: Yes, I do find that ham radio does keep the little gray cells working sharply. But yes, it keeps my math skills up. It keeps my electronics up. And you're right, it does uh, fill a gap that you have when you retire. And uh, I'm part of a great club and I get to meet a lot of people because of that. So that's also nice. It keeps the contact with other human beings active over
1: What do you notice about the difference between people who are you know still in the middle of their careers, you know raising families and the way that they approach the hobby as opposed to maybe some of the folks that are further along in their careers over?
2: I think the difference is that those people that are still working basically are more focused. They tend not to be very general. They get to be very much more specific over.
1: Do you find that the hobby is something that when it gets frustrating, you can just put it down over?
2: That's why I also raise my orchids. (laughs) I tend to switch around with things like work with robotics or work with my orchids or work in ham radio. But I think you're right. All hobbies have to be something that you can more or less walk away from once in a while. Over.
1: I think one of the things that makes a really good hobby is having uh, jargon and gear.
2: Yes. It's filled with jargon. It's filled with equipment and it's filled with an unusually raw set of characters.
1: If you had like one thing that you would you would recommend to somebody about getting into this hobby or considering any other hobby, what what's your advice there? Over
2: my advice is that if you're if you're not into sports, you need a way to get get out of the house, you meet some new people, you may be left to learn a thing or two. I recommend ham radio, but it's a good hobby for those people that want to meet people, talk to new people. Like I talk to people all over the world, and I really enjoy that. And maybe
1: keep a little technical edge on it. I think it's a great hobby. This is AC8NP clear. KC3JXQ, out and clear. So there were a couple of things that I found interesting in that conversation. One of them was that there was a long hiatus for him with this hobby. So he got to a point where uh, he had a family, and that started with me. And we, uh, he, he sort of had to take a huge step back and then eventually did come back around when he had a little bit more time. We sort of established that hobbies are a thing. I know that my wife has hobbies. Like there are things that she likes to do in her downtime, in her spare time, um, that she may not get as much time to do as she would like. You know, as you and I are getting to a place where we have a little more time, that would by definition mean that potentially our partners have maybe a little more time.
0: Maybe. I mentioned before that hobbies have been kind of in the discourse recently. Uh, There was an article published on The Cut, which is uh, part of New York Magazine, at the end of January, uh, that was titled Why Can't I Commit to a Hobby? And then there was a really wonderful uh, kind of reflection on that uh, from a uh, staff writer at BuzzFeed named Anne Helen Peterson, who publishes a weekly email newsletter. And she talked a lot about the privileges uh, that are associated with hobbies. I want to read a little bit that I think is important here when we're talking about privilege. So she says, Women in particular find it difficult to ask for the time necessary to train for a marathon or do anything that requires significant and regular time investment as a hobby. Their male partners feel justified in spending an entire Saturday golfing or attending a football or soccer game every week through season tickets. But the women didn't have hobbies that took an entire day. Training for something like a marathon doesn't take an entire day, but it takes a big chunk of one. It's a way of standardizing unnegotiable personal leisure segments the same way that buying a season ticket pass to the Seahawks or the Sounders does, which helps explain why more and more distance races and running clubs are filled with women, and for the first time, more women than men are running marathons. I wanted to... Share that because I think it's really important to lay down a couple of things when we're talking about hobbies as professional dads. First one is just the point that if you're in the zone where you have babies and diapers, toddlers running around, young kids underfoot, or you're in those kind of middle years of childhood where your kids are really deep into activities, you're not going to be able to fit in anything huge. To put it in more positive terms, I think as a parent who is now further away from those years, they're really sweet years. You want to be present with the kids. You don't want to be trying to distract yourself the whole time. I'm not saying that I did it like that, but in hindsight, I realized that that was kind of the important lesson. I know that when my
1: kids were very young, the thing that you feel like you need most is just, I just need time to do that thing that I need to do. Oh, yeah. But you're never going to get the level of time to do it in a way that makes it restorative.
0: I got really tensed up in the early years with our kids because I felt like I needed to be doing creative things and that I wasn't getting to them. One day I'm carrying the laundry basket down to the basement and the field clears and this thought falls in my head, which is parenting your kids is a creative act. And that didn't solve it completely, but it certainly was the turning point for me making peace with, this is where my time is, this is where my attention is. It is just a moment in time, really, and not forever. And then I think the second thing is that it's important for us to be tuned into the equality of opportunity in our relationships when it comes to a hobby. If you are digging into a thing and spending that time and your partner is not and is compensating for you on the home front, like actively compensating for that time that you're spending, I dare say you're doing it wrong. And it brings us back to you're introducing tension. You're actually you you might feel blissed out while you're in the woodworking studio, but you're going to have to pay that bill, so to speak, when you come out of the studio. And ultimately, that's defeating the purpose as challenging as the expectations are for us as professional guys who are fighting against a stereotype and trying to be present for our partners and kids. We have to recognize that the women in our lives have it even harder. Yes. Uh, there, there's such a crazy, messed up, contradictory mix of expectations that they're living with. And if you're throwing hobbies in the mix in the wrong way, if you too are experiencing an unequal distribution of time or opportunity when it comes to leisure, you're just kind of wandering further away from what you actually want, which is some kind of balanced, happy relationship you know, between you and for the whole family.
1: And, and I would also throw out there that certainly in talking with my wife, one of the things that falls into that expectation is, okay, so you're doing your cute little hobby. What, what does that do? Does that pay for itself. My wife and I just finished reading a book together and in it, every female character had a, an online business of some sort. Mm. So not only did they have a full-time job and were being moms, but their creative time was expecting to generate revenue of some sort, which again, I don't know about ham radio or, uh, or model railroading. I don't think either one of those are going to be, uh, contributing financially with positive numbers. We have both chosen these hobbies where I I will say this, and I've talked to other people who've started ham radio and you don't have to put a lot of money into it. Like you can take the test for $15. You can go buy like a $40 radio and you can go on to the local repeaters and, and be involved and be on nets and talk to people and have a great time with that. You can also go and drop, how much do you have? Like right, you can buy an antenna tower that goes up to two hundred feet before you 've got to call the f a a and ask for permission. Legit, some of those towers cost more than probably some people 's houses yeah um, there 's no end to how much money you can pour into that, but that 's not a prerequisite for a hobby in fact carving spoons is pretty chillin too.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I think you were talking before about origami too.
1: Yes. One of the, one of the best programmers I ever worked with uh was brilliant with origami and that's what he and his wife did on the weekends. They did it as a hobby together. Uh he brought me a a, a guitar folded out of a dollar bill. And I thought to myself, okay, I'll be quiet now.
0: We're in this Goldilocks situation. Our kids are the right age. We're in a financial position that we can throw a little bit of money into this activity. And it's, and it's not an either-or thing with the groceries and the rent and stuff. And I think we're both really trying to pay attention to, is this detracting from the quality of our relationship with our spouses? Is this, right. is this intruding too much? Always, always the first rule of thumb with the hobby is, if it's causing trouble, it goes away. Right, you put it down, you walk away, maybe for a little bit, maybe for years. It's the anti- trouble that you're looking for.
1: We may make it sound a little dire. it's probably not that difficult to avoid. I mean, there are these little restorative things that you can find throughout the course of a day or a week to pour a couple of hours into because again my my radio activities are not a part- time job i don't have to do that and it's certainly not like clocking hours or doing overtime or you know having a second job it it definitely is not that so michael what i'd like to recommend is that maybe we revisit this in the in a six months time and see you know where you're sitting if you've got your actual engineers hat on whether or not you borrow it from greg's Greg's dad, dad i don't know um but if, you, if you're walking around the house uh, sporting the little neckerchief, six months from now.
0: First off, that's what the kids call a callback. <laughs> but yeah, let's, uh, let's put a pin in this and come back in the end of the summer and see where we are. We want to hear about your hobbies and what old-timey leisure activities you're getting into. Give us a call on the DadLine and tell us more. You can reach us at plus 1-412-684-DADS. That's area code 412-684-3237.
1: Remember to subscribe to DadLine wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Every time someone subscribes, a hobby shop cashier smiles.